Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing. W4CY Radio. Welcome to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. This program contains preaching and teaching from an Orthodox Christian perspective to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and to be victorious in Him. And welcome to the show. It's Ogladsome Light here, noon Mondays on W4CY Radio, Internet Radio, with a simultaneous broadcast on K4HD in Hollywood, California, and W4VET. Live call on number is 561 623 9429. 561 623 9429. Skype radio address of W4CY Radio. And if you go into W4CY.com website, you can get into the chat room because we monitor the chat room and, and uh, respond to that accordingly. And uh, Chad, good morning, good afternoon. How do you do? How do you do? I do fine, and I'm looking forward to today's subject, which is called the Transfiguration. And that'd be the Transfiguration of Christ Jesus, our, our Lord. And I want to talk about today about how important it is. First of all, we'll read the Gospel account of the Transfiguration. I'm going to talk about a miracle that happens today on Mount Tabor where Jesus transfigured and, uh, and I'm going to apply it to how that applies to us today as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, okay? The transfigur- transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, very important feast. It's, uh, it's one of the last feasts before the, the Lord's passion. And there's a reason uh, he brought three apostles with him, and I'll talk about that momentarily, but remember, our slogan, 
Preparing Souls for Heaven is the slogan for Ogladsome Light. And of course, you can go to my website, ogladsomelight.org, and look at a bunch of stuff. We go uh, on iHeart on Tuesdays, and uh, also this show is loaded up on YouTube, thanks to my good buddy Chad here and being a diligent work unto the Lord to bless me and hopefully bless everybody out there. I get a lot of um, email and face-to-face -face, uh, on, on the show. They, you should. They you do a good job. They Thank you. They Well, I've got to be humble now. Uh, but they what they do is they say, we find that as a lifeline uh, to uh, Christ. Uh, you're, the way you teach and, and explain things, they, they like the grassroots kind of basic, this, not talking these big words and all that, you know, but kind of bring it down into the grassroots type of definitions so they kind of get it. And uh, so, you know, I'm talking to cradle uh, Orthodox who have been Orthodox all the life and then the converts. And, and those, uh, the converts seem to be more zealous than the cradles because they're new to the faith and they're excited about uh, everything that they're learning in the Orthodox Church. But I'll, we'll talk more about that in another session. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of shows lined up behind this one. So, uh, you know, we've finished the Blood Covenant, did six parts on that, and now we're moving into the Transfiguration of Christ. It's one of the great feasts that happens in August. Now, I want a little background history on this. In the third year of his preaching, Jesus Christ, the Lord often spoke to his disciples of his approaching passion and also of his glory following his suffering on the cross so that his impending passion would not totally weaken his disciples so that no one would fall away from him. He, the Lord, the all-wise, wanted to show them a portion of his divine glory before his passion. For this reason, he took Peter, James, and John with them up on Mount Tabor by night and then transfigured before them. So a couple of questions that pop up. Why was our Lord transfigured on a mountain and not in a valley? Well, that's kind of like twofold right there, why he did that. You know, the Lord, the, everything the Lord did, he had a purpose behind it, and it wasn't for uh, silliness. Everything he's, he did was to point us in the ways of salvation. So, well, the mountaintop experience was to teach us two virtues love of labor and godly thoughts for climbing to the heights requires labor is that when you when people go low we're supposed to go high they say right and so it's kind of like going up on a mountain takes work to go up there it what? takes it takes a lot of if you ever climbed a mountain not in florida but if you ever climbed a mountain <laughs> i mean it takes work to get up there and you're going to sweat and you're going to get tired and all that you know well it was closer to heaven maybe it was a you know shorter signal <laughs> to be transferred <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah maybe mm -hmm. and so it it it, it kind of points us to the labors required for us to to uh, work out our salvation with fear and trembling and then okay uh Two virtues, the labor and godly thoughts, and then, and then the heights of themselves represent the elevation of our thoughts to the things of God. Not to work about, worry about worldly things, which we seem to do very easily, but but concern ourselves with godly things and things of heaven. Now, another question: Why was the Lord transfigured at night, not during the day? It was at night He transfigured. Oh, I didn't know that. I just learned yeah. something. Great. So, if you read, well, which we'll see in in Matthew here in a moment, but. At night, you can't see anything <laughs> except the stars in heaven. Yeah, I'm 
no city lights, none of that. If you go out to the country, it's dark. And all you see is if you look up to heaven on a clear night, you see the stars. And back in those days, they only probably had candles or something, flames right. the, in the street somewhere. Right, or little oil lamps or something, right. you know. Because the night is more suitable than the day for prayer and godly thoughts. When was Jesus praying and walking on the water? It was at night. He was in fellowship with his father, and he come walking on the, on the water at night, and they saw him, okay? And they thought it was a ghost. So by, by, also, you can't see the creation. It's invisible. It's hidden by the darkness. But when Jesus transfigured, you can't miss that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I think about the, uh, the tabernacle of Moses. It was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night that was over the Shekinah glory of the Holy of Holies. It kind of ties in with that. Now, I want to read a couple things from uh, Father Thomas Hopko of Blessed Memory. He was a very uh, contemporary uh, Orthodox teacher. And he, I'd like to read one of his comments here. The transfiguration of Christ, one of the, of the central events recorded in the Gospels, immediately after the Lord was recognized by his apostles as the Christ, the, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I'll talk about that in Matthew in a moment. He must go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised. Okay, that's Matthew 16. That's the Matthew 16 Gospel. And I want to read, start at verse 23 here. When Jesus came to the, into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Whom do you say, who do you, whom do men say that I am? The son, of, the son of man? And some said, well, I may John the Baptist and some Elijah and some Jeremiah or one of those prophets. But he said to the, his apostles, but whom do you say that I am? There's that, that word again, the I am. And Simon Peter, one of the apostles, answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He had the right answer. Now, how did he have that answer? I'll tell you in a moment. And Jesus looked at him after he said that, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So there is that. There is that revelation, that illumination that Peter got in his spirit that who Christ was. And he goes on in verse 18, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock, and that rock is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, I will build my church on that revelation, okay? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that's why it behooves us to be in Christ's church, because the gates of hell are going to prevail against everything that is not of Christ that calls itself Christianity. Wow. I said that? Yes, I did. And I will give thee the, thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever shall be loosed on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. It wasn't the time yet for that to happen. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. So they were without, they had knowledge. Jesus was giving them the knowledge of, of what was going to happen. In verse 22, here's Peter. And in the same chapter of Matthew, 
He began to rebuke the Lord, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not come unto thee. And then we see in 23, But he turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest that not the things that be of God, but that things that are of men. Oh, my gosh. He just said, Jesus, you know, just gave him a blessing for Peter telling him that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. In a couple of verses down the line, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. I wonder how Peter felt. Oops. He got him back on the program. He got him thinking right. Probably the same way he felt when he denied him three times. Bam. But see, the Lord used a cock, you know, a rooster, the crow, to remind Peter that he denied him three times. Mm -hmm. And then he whipped bitterly. I wonder if we do that, Chad. Do we weep bitterly over our sins? I have. Yes, that's good. That's Oh, that's just so refreshing to hear that, that, uh, that we know – and in fact, if you're not weeping over your sins, there's a chance you really don't mean it, your repentance. There you go. Hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about that too. Now, he goes on to say, okay, Jesus said unto the disciples in the same chapter of Matthew, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Threefold, three actions, specific actions you have to do. Deny himself, take up your cross, not Jesus' cross, your cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall shave his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's the, that's the principle of opposites in the kingdom of God. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man came in the glory of his Father with his angels, and they shall reward every man according to his works. So there is a comeuppance. You know, there, there is going to be a retribution, and the scales are going to be equaled. We may, may not think about that right now, but uh, that's where our faith kicks in, and we believe that the gospel is the true living word of God, the Holy Scriptures, and our life, hopefully, it depends, is built upon uh, that firm rock and not the sinking sand. There is a library in heaven, and it holds all the books of everything you've spoken and done. Oh, my gosh. Isn't yep. that terrifying, Chad? Yep. It's terrifying. I know I'm guilty. And Me too. <laughs> so. Right here. Every day I pray. I repent for Good. past life. You know, uh, this says the scriptures tell us repentance is the means of salvation. And if you don't know what repent means, that means you're saying sorry to God for being that way. And just turn around and not do that anymore. Walk away it from right. it. Yeah. Like the woman that was caught in adultery. Uh, I don't accuse you either, but uh, go and sin no more, right? And a lot of people use that. Well, oh, Jesus let the uh, the whore off the hook, yeah. but the last thing that Jesus said is sin no more. Exactly. That's yeah. the part they leave out. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm going to fast forward to Matthew 17 and pick it up here, where it talks about the transfiguration. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. Now, remember, this is at night, and his raiment was white as the light. Continue on Mark Nine, chapter verse two, and after six days, six days, Jesus take with with him Peter, James, and John, and leadeth him up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Can you imagine what they saw? They saw Moses, Elijah, and Jesus all together talking. That he did. 
And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But the Greek word, I always like to look up the Greek words, you know. When I see that transfiguration word, I went into the Greek scriptures, and I found uh, in Strong's Concordance 3339 as a reference, metamorpho. And so you break that word down, meta, change, it's a change, okay? And morpho is changing form but keeping the inner reality. Does that make sense? You change outwardly, but you keep the inner reality. I'm going to explain that right now in nature. Okay. There are about ten animals in the kingdom, animal kingdom, that have that do this metamorphosis. Two of them I'm going to talk about right now are very common to our you know daily life. Look at a butterfly. What is it before a butterfly? Caterpillar. And then at some point of its life, it turns into a butterfly. Transforms. It transforms. It, and the word is metamorphosis. Another one is a tadpole. It becomes a bullfrog. Isn't that amazing? God has shown that, that, that reality of that metamorphosis in his creation. Now, you know, you say, well, how does that apply to me? Well, hang on. Put your little seatbelts on because we're going to get to that in a moment. And a lot of atheists think we came from monkeys. Well, I never heard a or, monkey say or, that. Or scientists. I never heard a monkey say that. Mm -mm. Monkeys Mon are still monkeys. They've always <laughs> been monkeys and probably always will be monkeys. And I don't care if it's one DNA from chromosome off. Whatever. It's still a monkey and you're still a creation of God. The monkey's a creation of God, but we're we're, we're not the same. Mm -hmm. And so don't, you know, they got the war for the planet of the apes and all that going on. They got you know? all the aliens, mind control. I bet you they use some type of alien invasion, but it's really going to be <laughs> the fallen angels acting as some type of alien or something. Uh, yeah. It could happen. Yeah. That's why we have to be we have to be rooted and grounded in the faith so we know the, the we know what counterfeit is and what truth is. True, right, exactly. And Jesus is the living logos, he is the truth. It's another reason why the Bible says be sober minded. Yes, yes. Because if your mind is not sober, you're gonna fall for deception. Exactly. And so as we get closer, uh, as I get deeper into the study, we're going to actually go into the New Testament scriptures and talk about how we can be transformed, how we can have our own metamorphosis. Let me go back and read the account here. And his face, Jesus' face, shone like the sun, and his garments became white as snow. And behold, there appeared to him Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is well that you are here. If you wish, I will make three booths here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, lo, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is very important now, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now that's orders from headquarters. That's the father talking to the apostles. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces with awe. I would. <laughs> but Jesus came and touched them and they said, rise and have no fear. And I, he says that a lot, doesn't he, when he shows up uh, in, in, his, in his glory. Uh, they go, we can't take this. <laughs> they fall on our faces, you know. But the Lord always says, peace be with you. And I think when the Lord says, peace be with you, you have peace because uh, they have the power to speak it. Because he cast out all that fear. 
all that fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded to them, Tell no one about this vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. I don't know if they could kept their mouths shut on that one. But the Lord told them, Be quiet about this until I'm raised from the dead. And those are several. What I've done is done a, a kind of a compaction here of all from Matthew and Mark and Luke okay, and, and Second Peter, to show you what happened on that day uh, when Jesus, or that night, and when Jesus took him up to Mount Tabor. And we're going to look a more, little more about what Mount Tabor is. But they talked, Peter wanted to build three booths. So don't give Peter a hard time for wanting a, a building program here. Okay? The Jewish festival of booths was a feast of the dwelling of God with men, and the transfiguration of Christ reveals how this dwelling place takes place and in and through the Messiah, the Son of, the, of God in human flesh. The festival of booths, which is a holy day of convocation, all you gotta do is look in the book of Leviticus about it. The, the Hebrew word is Sukkot. Built, they built temporary shelters while in the desert, and they lived in them for seven days, and it was during the summer harvest. It was, you know, basically a three-sided walls and a very, uh, very open, thin roof, so you could look up at night through the, and see the stars. But it's a symbol of our human vulnerability and the fact that we are in God's shelter. And I don't want to get too deep into the actual application of of, of uh, Sukkot, the, the booths, but uh, maybe another show. Uh, but there's quite a bit of uh, Quite, I can glean tremendous amount of truth out of that Jewish festival called Sukkot or Bus. There is little doubt that Christ's transfiguration took place at the time of the festival Bus, and that and that celebration of the event of the Christian Church became the New Testament fulfillment of the Old Testament feast in a way similar to the feast of Passover and Pentecost. In the transfiguration, the apostles see the glory of the kingdom of God present in majesty in the person of Christ. They see that in him indeed is all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. Okay, the fullness of the deity dwells in him bodily. So he's all God and he's all man. And it, it, what's confusing to the world is they say, well, he was a man. But then he did things only God could do. And people say, well, how did God leave heaven and then come here? Who was running heaven? Well, it just showed you right there the Father spoke to the Son. And when you say God in the flesh, it just means that God has the same authority and power. Yes. Is basically what Jesus says. And that's why it says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, which means he has the same authority and power. Exactly. Now, when he left heaven and came here and dwelt among us for those 30-some years, he still maintained his deity. He never gave up his deity. Uh, let me go on here, a little, another paragraph here. They see this before the crucifixion so that in the resurrection they, may, they might know who it is who has suffered for them and what it is that this one who is God has prepared for those who love him. This is what the church celebrates in the Feast of the Transfiguration. Think about this. Moses and Elijah are standing there talking to him. If they didn't believe that Christ was God, what would they show up and do that? I mean, think about that. I mean, here's the Lord transfigured. 
he transfigured to a point where the apostles, right to the edge where they couldn't handle it no more. Because you remember, Moses wanted to see God, and God said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock, put my hand over you, and I'll just pass by. You can see the backside of me. And then his face shone with glory. He came down from the mountain, and they were afraid because Moses was glowing for God. Are we? <laughs> Are we glowing for God? And that's probably how heaven's going to be like. We'll have we'll have glowing bodies, most likely. The resurrection body. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ raised was raised from the dead and dwell among us, so we could say, so that's what we're going to get in the future. We're going to get resurrection bodies. And he even raised some of the saints. The remember the graves broke open and the saints rolled out, and they were raised too. But after the resurrection of Christ, he raised them. Maybe that was his first fruit offering unto the Father, bringing the saints in. It could be the souls under the altar of God in Revelation that are crying out, when are you going to avenge our blood yeah. upon the earth? I think that's still going on today. I think there's, there's, you know, if we read Revelation, there's a, that these are future events that are coming, mm -hmm. and, uh, we, and maybe I'll do a study on that someday, on, the, uh, on that. And I, bet, I got my money that, that uh, Moses and Elijah are going to be the two witnesses. Maybe. You know, yeah. they're already there paying a visit to Jerusalem with, with Yeshua. I mean, here they are standing on Mount Tabor with the Lord and uh, telling the future what's going to happen to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. They, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like it the way we lead each other into this thing, Chad. I like it. Uh, besides a fundamental meaning, uh, which the event of the transfiguration has come into the context of the life and mission of Christ, and in addition to the theme of the glory of God, which is revealed in all of his divine splendor in the face of the Savior, the presence of Moses and Elijah is also of great significance for the understanding and celebration of this feast. East. Okay, we have, and I'm going to in a little bit have Chad play one of the troparians, one of the hymns of the church that we uh, celebrate the transfiguration. There's always that music in the church, our hymns we sing, uh, that these have been sung for thousands, hundreds of years. You know, the church is 2,000 years old, and the Orthodox Church, you know, kicking off in about 33 A.D. I'm telling you, uh, these, these these songs that Troparian and Kentuckians that are that we sing during these feast days are, are so full of truth. Full, they're full of truth. Uh, Moses and Elijah, according to liturgical verses, are not only the greatest figures of the Old Testament, who now come to worship the Son of God. See, they came to worship the Son of God in glory. They also are not merely two of the holy men to whom God has revealed himself in the prefigurative theophanies of the Old Covenant of Israel. These two figures actually stand for the Old Testament itself. Moses for the law and Elijah for the prophets. And what does it say in Matthew 5? And Christ is a fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And they got a, they got the representative of the law and a representative of the prophets standing next to Jesus when he transfigured. And, and it goes on to say in Matthew, Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I not come to destroy but to fulfill. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. 
many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they also stand for the living and the dead. Moses died, right? And Archangel Michael took his body for burial. But Elijah was taken to heaven alive on that chariot. So that you see the two, the two uh, death and being alive. So what were Moses and Elijah talking to the Lord about? How he was going to die. Exactly. Luke 9.28. And they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring uh, fulfillment at Jerusalem. So everything, uh, you know, the prophets already told about it. Uh, the Elijah, all the prophets, minor, major prophets told about all of this, uh, what was going to happen to the Lord and, and what he's going to have to suffer in Jerusalem to bring the salvation uh, possibility to mankind. Okay? Thus appearing with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration at Mount Tabor, Moses and Elijah show that the Messiah Savior is here and that he is the Son of God to whom the Father himself bears witness because he spoke. He was pleased and blessed, and he says, listen to him. No matter what you say or believe about the Lord, how do you refute this? How do you refute who Christ is when they got Moses and Elijah there and then the three apostles falling on their faces? The transfiguration of Christ in itself is a fulfillment of all the theophanies and manifestations of God, a fulfillment made perfect and complete in, in the person of Jesus Christ. The transfiguration of Christ reveals to us our ultimate destiny as Christians, the ultimate destiny of all men and of all creation to be transformed and glorified by the majestic splendor of God himself. What does he say? The new heaven and the new earth is coming. Aren't we supposed to be transformed? Yes. Maybe this is a good time to play that Traparian, Chad. Let's do it. Uh, this is in tone seven, and uh, let's give it a listen, and I'll talk about it. When O Christ our God, thou was transfigured on the mountain.
That's the Troparian in tone seven of the hymn of the Transfiguration. That is very beautiful, very beautiful. Now, interesting, there's still a miracle that happens today on Mount Tabor. You go, what? Yeah, listen to this. Every year on the transfiguration of our Lord, a light-bearing cloud descends upon Mount Tabor in a miracle fashion. What? I never heard of that. Some of you all may say, I never heard of that. Well, you're hearing it today on, on W4CY here on Old Gladsome Light. Mount Tabor is situated on a 1,640 feet hill. 1,640 feet above you know, sea level. In the region of Galilee, according to sacred tradition and holy scripture, it was upon this hill that Jesus Christ took three beloved disciples up upon this hill, okay? 40 days prior to his crucifixion. And transfigured before them, showing his glory as much as they could bear, as it says, as you heard in the, the Traparian that the Chad has played for us. According to the monks of Galilee, everybody sees the miraculous phenomenon differently, as was justified by accounts from the tour group that this guy was a part of. It's actually this guy was this this story here. This guy was actually in the tour group and saw this happen with his own eyes. On a warm and cloudless and calm night, we ascended Mount Tabor, anticipating the all-night vigil for the transfiguration. We all had heard of this miraculous cloud, but had never, in fact, seen photos describing this miraculous event. This happens about 4 o'clock in the morning. To everyone's surprise, as soon as the hymns of the transfiguration begin, a fog-like smoke starts rising from the valley below us. Out of nowhere, a massive rushing of wind began, bringing this mysterious, mysterious incense-like fog with it. Slowly, the fog turned into an endless cloud carried by the wind, flying over us with intense speed, which I have never seen before. Not long after the, we hear the beginning of the divine liturgy, blessed is the kingdom of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The enormous brass bells were ringing as the clouds descended up onto the whole congregation. Can you imagine, Chad, being there and participating in this? And this cloud, this falls upon the congregation. Every single person embraced this miraculous cloud with arms held high, chanting the troparian, which you just heard, the troparian of the transfiguration and giving glory to God. Some people stated that they even saw flashes of lightning, while others claimed that the cloud had an intense reddish color and others smelled a sweet fragrance like incense. Overjoyed, the whole congregation filled with thousands of pilgrims from all over the world continued their hymns to God until daybreak. Having descended the holy mountain, the cloud was visible encircling only the holy monastery of the Transfiguration. We the faithful departed with great joy on being witnesses of this great annual miracle. And that reminds me of what happens in Jerusalem at the Holy Sepulchre. And I did a show on this called The Holy Fire. It's when uh, Saturday... When all the candles and all the lights are put out, all the flames are put out, and then the Holy Spirit comes and lights all the, the flames and the candles. That happens on the Saturday of, of Pascha at the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was 
interred, and then when they remember, you know, when they went to the grave, uh, where is he? And the angel says, "He is risen." Why do you seek the dead among the living? He's he's living, you know. And so, so they went. The women went and told the apostles, and then that's when they came back and went into the tomb and found the burial clothes. I say burial clothes because there's more than one, empty. So. That's the second miracle, a uh, physical miracle that I that I see uh, in in our holy tradition of, and maybe someday, uh, Lord willing or Lord blessing me, I can get to the holy sepulcher during uh, Pascha and experience that, or even go to Mount Tabor and witness this miraculous cloud that descends upon the mountain, only on the Transfiguration. It never happens any other time. Now, how does this apply to us today? Here it comes. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice that word, living sacrifice, not dead. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So right now you say, well, I don't know what my reasonable service is. Right there it is. I just told you about it in Romans chapter 12, 12 verse 1. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but ye be ye transformed. And that's the same exact word that I just used when I talked about the transfiguration of Christ, that metamorphosis that happened that Jesus, the butterfly, the tadpole, okay, have, is supposed to happen to you. Do, do not be conformed to this world, but he's telling you, be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That's denying yourself. Renew your mind. You know what's the best way to renew your mind, Chad? Is get into the Word of God and think like God. If you're reading the Scriptures, you're thinking like God. If you're not reading the Word, you think like you. You think like the world. Renewing your mind that you may prove, by the renewing of your mind, you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So he said, well, I, want, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. Right, there That's it is. Because you don't be, read the Bible. Right. Be transformed <laughs> by the renewing of your mind and prove what is good and acceptable, and you can be imperfect and be in the will of God. And remember, Scripture says, whoever is a friend of the world is making himself an enemy of God. Exactly. Exactly. A little note I have on this scripture. A faithful relationship to God changes our relationship to the world. Does, does that happen to you? To be conformed to this world is to stand for and pursue the world's values and pleasures. That's going on a lot, isn't it, Chad? A lot of that going on. Well, most of the world is based on money. Yeah, it's and all money about buys the money. Pleasure. Yeah, it's and all what's about the, the money. what's the root of all evil? The love of money. The love of money, exactly. Now, the mind, which we in the Greek we call the noose, which is fallen when when Adam and Eve fell, uh, dis were disobedient in the garden, and they and they were kicked out and they fell. The noose was darkened. The the mind. Here is more than the, the, it's more than the intellect. It is the highest faculty of the human nature, and not the monkeys. Okay, not the dogs and the cats. It's the human nature encompassing the mind and the heart. Okay, the mind and the heart. With this faculty, one sees and comprehends God. For this to happen, you must be born again. Interesting, isn't it, Chad? Isn't that amazing? A lot of people are going, how do I get born again? Yeah, 
That I means mean, 180 of whatever you're doing now right? In, in one sentence. In the church, what we have is a process. Those who are truly seeking the Lord can come in and be catechized and then go through the, ex, the three exorcisms at the back of the church, denouncing the devil, uniting yourself to Christ, come in and be into the baptismal waters and, and receive illumination if your heart is right, and then receive chrismation, which is the sealing onto the Holy Spirit, and then receiving of the Holy Eucharist, which is the Holy Covenant blood meal that I talked about in the blood covenant. So that's a step process right there. Remember then was it Nicodemus says, Well, how can I how can I go into my mother's womb again? And then Jesus scolded him and says, What are you talking about? Aren't you a pro? Aren't you supposed to know this stuff? And okay. and here we are going back into this. He he scolded him. Now let's move on to Second Corinthians chapter three. But even unto this day, Moses is read, and the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall when they shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So now you know what's going on there, Chad, with the people that are following Moses' law. If they, their veil is upon their heart, but when they turn to the Lord, he removes that veil and gives them clearness. They get to see who Jesus really is. Truth. Yes. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we see it's all this Holy Spirit. What what happened on Pentecost? Uh, they were in the upper room, and next thing, a mighty Russian wind rolls in, and uh, they were all changed. The cloven tongues of fire went into them, and they become energized for God, and they didn't care about living or dying. All they care about is telling the truth about Jesus Christ, and Peter brought 3,000 into the into the church that day because of his boldness, who was a, a coward that denied the Lord three times before. Yeah, so you saw a change in Peter right there in his life. And when the Holy Spirit entered them, they all spoke in tongues that they yes. didn't even speak. Right, they and, and what they and that's interesting you bring that up, Chad, because they spoke in the languages of the because remember Jerusalem was full of people at that time. Different people, types all of people. All different languages, languages, you know, because of the remember Tower of Babel and all the confusion of the language. And they hear the, the the these guys are talking in their language so they can understand and what are they hearing? They're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ so they can go home and tell the people what happened in Jerusalem that day. And of course it was the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit yes. speaking for the oh, people. Oh yeah. Oh it has to be that or it's it's they couldn't do it themselves. No, impossible. They were there. Hey, these guys are drunk with wine. Yeah, yeah, they're drunk on the Holy Spirit, and I'd rather be drunk on the Holy Spirit yeah. than wine. Give me some of that wine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, now, a little little note on this: the work of the Holy Spirit brings liberty, freeing us to behold God and have open access to Him. Created as the image of God, we see His uncreated image, the Son, the glory of the Lord in two ways. First, we see through the Son deified humanity, the transfiguration, and then the power of the Spirit. As we behold Him, we become that we were created to be. Isn't that, that's so important to hear that. As we behold Jesus, we can become what we were created to be. 
You don't have to tell a dog to be a dog. It just knows how to be a dog. A cat knows how to be a cat. But here's humankind wanting to do everything except what they're created to be in relationship and covenant with God and worshiping God instead of worshiping everything else. God is infinite. Therefore, growing in His image and glory has no limits. We shall ever see God more and more clearly as we are transformed at metamorphosis process into His likeness. What is the theme of the transfiguration? Is light. The light casts out darkness. Are we to be children of light or children of darkness? You know the answer to that one. Light, of course. We got to be the light. Now, I talked. We talk about fear of God, and I thought about that, and I says, "Hmm, our fear of God should be that we should fear losing Him because of our worldly choices." That's the fear of God. To lose, I mean, if you will, if God, now here's a, this is ridiculous an analysis, but I gotta do it, a ridiculous analysis. If God died, which he can't do, but if he died, how long would it take you to know that he died? <laughs> how, if you're in prayer and total communion with him, and you know, prayer is breathing in the Holy Spirit. That's what the church fathers teach us. When you pray, you're actually breathing in the Holy Spirit. And if God died... The world wouldn't last a week. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> you'd know he's dead. <laughs> right. But think about that. If God died, how would you know it? If you're in daily communion with God and in prayer and seeing, reading his word, you know, God's dead? impossible it's a ridiculous analysis but i wanted to throw that out just for thought you know think about that now that's what the gospel of matthew tells us in chapter five ye are the light of the world all right that's what we're supposed to be the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid think about that going up mount tabor and that and the lord transfiguring in that light and the three apostles falling down, and they couldn't bear it anymore. The, Jesus was kind to them. He didn't fully transfigure. He just showed them a glimpse of the glory so he wouldn't kill them all on the mountain. That was the mercy of God right there. Like God and Moses, too. I'm just going to show you a little bit. I'm going to show you a little bit. Now, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house makes sense that's a good that's a good analysis or analogy so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven that's our opportunity to the world to be the light to shine before men even if they hate you and spit upon you and rail against you and say well that offends me or oh, it does well, maybe you offend God the way you're living. I've noticed the truth offends a lot of sinners. Yes. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Get some revved yeah. up real quick. Oh, yeah. And the interesting thing about it is uh, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. And when you're preaching the gospel, you're preaching the truth of God through the Holy Scriptures. And if they can't bear it, then Get you know angry. what? You know where they're at. Psychology 101, you should figure it out. <laughs> Psychology 101. That's <laughs> yes, good. Mm -hmm. 
John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's it right there. Jesus is deity. Chapter 1, verse 1 of John. The same was in the beginning with God. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, it says, Let us make man in our own image. Not singular. You look at Genesis and you say, Let's make man in our own image. God was talking to more than one person there. And we had a trinity at work. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. That would be heaven, earth, and beneath the earth. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that's, that's, I want to go back to that transfiguration, which is that light, the light of God. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Is that happening today? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, sure is. I mean, you you be the light of God, all right? You're, a Christian is supposed to be a representative ambassador of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to be the light and don't put it under a bushel. Don't hide it in a closet, but let your light shine before men as the scriptures tell us. You're going to you're going to catch it. I'm, I'm, and I just, I just looked at a chart the other day, and uh, the belief in Christ is down 15%. And it said in the Bible, you know, there'll, there'll be a great falling away before the return of, of Christ in the yeah. new kingdom. Apostasy. So it's, all this prophecy is happening. Yeah. So be aware of that, you know. Be aware with the sign of the times, as they say. Check out 2 Timothy 3. We're spot dead on oh, on yeah. that prophecy in the moment right now. Yes. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus again said unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Wouldn't you like to have that? Wouldn't you like that? How, does it, how do you get the light of life? You follow the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light, not the darkness. It's so easy to follow the darkness. It's so easy. It takes work to follow the light. That's why you have to walk up Mount Tabor, the journey up to Mount Tabor, get tired, and, but you've got to work at it. Not a silver spoon in your mouth. You're not born loving God. You have to be converted. You have to make, you, you got to, oh, the Holy God Spirit. God has to call you. Yes. Call you near. You have to, and then you have to heed that call. And if you don't, you're in deep trouble. As they, say, as they say, in, you know, I remember MASH. Remember that MASH where they were in sure. Korea? You're in deep kimchi. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> that's nasty stuff, isn't right. it? Kimchi. kimchi right. First John 1, 5 uh, through 9. Then this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not love the truth. We become incompatible with God at that point. If we're in darkness and we say we have fellowship with God and we're in darkness, we lie. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So don't tell me you're a good person. That won't work. There's only one way. It's the blood of Christ. You've got to be washed in the blood and have that robe turned pure white. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I remember I talked about unrighteousness. Righteousness is temporary because you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If you're going down the wrong path, you're, you're unrighteous. You're not doing what God tells you to do. That's, what, that's the simplistic definition of righteousness. Noah was righteous because he said, fill an ark. He did. He told Abraham, get out of this country and go to another country. He did. He was righteous before God. Okay? Takes faith. Moses had faith. He led the people out of, uh, out of Egypt into the wilderness, and they thought they were going to be out there and die. Well, let me finish with this last scripture. And they were right. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they, they didn't were, have the faith. They were <laughs> First Peter <laughs> chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. This is, a, this is us. If we have the light of Christ. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That When you preach in the gospel, you're peculiar. That you should show forth the praise of him that hath called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, which in past times you were not the people of, of the light but of darkness, but now you're a God and, have, and which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy of God because you've responded to the call. When Jesus came, he responded to the call. Well, that's it. We're out of time, brother. we got to go. So, uh, Good show, Al. Be the light. Be the light as Jesus Christ is the light. That's all I can say. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Walk in the truth. Walk in the truth. Jesus is all truth. You cast all your eggs upon him. You know, they take all your eggs, you don't hedge your bet. You cast everything, everything over your life. You give to Jesus, and you will not be disappointed. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to the O Gladsome Light Podcast. We hope this program has encouraged you to fight the good fight of faith and walk in the accordance with the commandments of our Lord. May God bless you on your journey to salvation. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.